0: Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ, enjoy. Well, hello Cove Church, so great to be with you today as we continue our series called 1224. And today we talk about what it looks like to stand in the gap. And uh, so to illustrate that, allow me to tell you this story. There's a story of a a well-known author and speaker named Tony. And he was going to a Pentecostal Bible college to preach. And a prayer meeting was held for him just prior to him speaking. And so eight men took him to this back room and began to pray for him. They had him kneel. They got around and began to pray for him with their hands on his head which was a great thing to pray for him, all these folks praying for him, except they, they prayed for a long time. <laughs> and the longer they prayed, the more tired they got. So these eight men are leaning on his head for this time. He said it was really very uncomfortable as a prayer. And to make matters worse, one of the men was not even praying for Tony. The man went on to pray for someone named Charlie Stolsfus saying, Dear Lord, you know... Charlie Stolzfus, he lives in that silver trailer just right down the road. You know the trailer, Lord, you know, the one right down the road on the right-hand side. Uh, And Tony at this point is wondering, you know, if he should tell the prayer that it's not really necessary to furnish God with directional materials when you pray for someone. But, you know, he didn't want to interrupt. But still the man prayed, Lord, Charlie told me this morning that he's leaving his wife and three kids. So, Lord, God, would you step in. And do something. Would you bring that family back together? Would you do a miracle? The speaker finally got the prayers off of his head. He was able to go out to the chapel service, deliver his message, and he got into his car to drive home. And as he was driving onto the on-ramp, he noticed a hitchhiker there and felt led to stop and pick him up. They drove a few moments and he said to the hitchhiker, Well, my name's Tony. What's yours? And much to a surprise, the man said, well, my name is Charlie Stolzfus. The speaker couldn't believe it. And so immediately, Tony turned his car off at of the, uh, the next exit, began to head back. Charlie got a little bit uneasy with that, and after a few minutes, he said, hey, mister, where, where are you taking me? He said, Charlie, I'm taking you home. <laughs> Charlie narrowed his eyes a bit and asked, well, Why are you doing that?" He said, well, because you just left your wife and your three kids. You need to get back to them. Now that just blew the man away. He couldn't believe that this person just picked him up, knew this, and was shock written all over his place. He just, all over his face, he just plastered himself up next to the door for the rest of the ride, just looking at, looking at Tony as he drove, like, I can't believe this is happening. And then Tony really freaked him out as he drove right into his house, the the silver trailer down the road on the right, right up to their door. He said, how'd you know I lived here? Tony said, God told me. (laughs) And so when Charlie opened the door to his trailer, his wife exclaimed, you're back, you're back. And he began to whisper in her ear the story of what had just transpired. The more he talked, the bigger her eyes got. And then Tony said to them, with real authority now, the two of you are going to sit down, I'm going to talk, you're going to listen. And man, did they listen. And that afternoon he led those two people to relationship with Jesus. I tell you that story because it is an example of a specific type of prayer that we're going to explore today. Prayer is known as intercession the act of praying for the needs, the welfare, and the deliverance of another person. Intercession is to entreat God on behalf of someone else. And to engage this topic, we're going to look at a passage from the book of Ezekiel in chapter 22. Simple context for this. It is correction time for Israel, And in those days, God's correction often included a prophet who would bring God's truth and God's instruction to the people, always with the hope of restoring. Remember, God's correction is always intended to give life to us, never to take life away. That's, what how, that's why God corrects us. We're told that God disciplines those that God loves. It's like when we were in Puerto Rico, we we i saw the last moments of a dad who had run out into the street to grab his toddler who had run out into a busy street and grabbed him and took him to the side and i remember watching this and i he was speaking spanish but i knew the conversation he was having with that child you know the one you have as a parent with your kid when you get down on their level and you look them into the eyes and you say you never do that again it was correction It was easy to see no matter the language. The same is true with God's correction for us as God's kids. It's done out of this desire to protect, to love, to keep us from harm. And just like the parent with that danger-seeking child going out into the street, the correction we experience is often a bit uncomfortable in the moment. The same was absolutely true with Israel. And we're going to look at a passage that reflects a moment of that discomfort. And on the surface, the passage, I'll just warn you, it's far from encouraging on the surface. In fact, it comes right after God has has said how far Israel has fallen and the, the priests and the leaders have fallen. They're not caring about justice. They're not caring about the poor. They're not caring about the widows. Extortion and corruption and greed and abuse has become the norm exploitation had replaced safety and compassion. Sadly, it's not so different from the times that we live, is it? And so it's a bit sobering to read that, knowing that we live in a similar time. But if we would look a bit deeper in this passage, we will discover there is some hope found within it. I want to start by us reading together this entire passage because it's short and I want you to get the overall idea, but then we're going to break it down from there. So here's the entire passage. Let's read it together. Big voices, go. I looked for anyone to repair the wall and stand in the gap for me on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it, but I couldn't find anyone. First thing I would like to point out is this. Intercession asks us to care when others don't. Intercession asks us to care when others don't. So it's that first part of Ezekiel, I looked for anyone to repair the wall and stand in the gap for me on behalf of the land. God was looking for someone who would say, I see what is happening in my world. I see what is happening to the walls of my city. I see what is happening to my community I see the low places where we are vulnerable, and instead of just shouting my displeasure from the safety of a stronger, better defended section of the city, the action this person takes is to place themselves between the low point of the wall and the coming attack. This is intercession. I am standing in that gap for another, for others. And in doing so, obviously, I'm placing myself at greater risk. Now, this is why intercession is hard. It is to intentionally make us more vulnerable to attack, to heartache, because we're willing to risk what it looks like to actually care for another person. To put our heart out there for another person. If, if you've ever lost someone, you know what I mean. If, you're, if you've ever even lost a pet, you know what I mean. I mean, we've all, like in my family, we've had several family dogs through the years. You know, they come in as puppies. They're so cute. They poop all over the house. They potty all over the house. They tear everything up. But they also meet you at the door every day. They sleep at the foot of your bed. If you just go to the mail and come back, they act like, man, I missed you so much. Oh, man, it's so great to see you. You know how dogs are. You know, they're saying, I, there's that saying that, that I want to become the kind of person that my dog thinks I am. <laughs> well, it's absolutely true, right? I'm not sure if the same applies to cats. I know you cat people are going to be mad at me. I'm not sure, but to me, the vibe I often get from cats is I think you're a moron and I should have your job. That's really the vibe I get from cats, but not. You know, that's just my experience. I've got my own wounds. I'm sure you have some great cats out there. However, certainly with dogs, this is the case. There's this connection that you make with them through the years. And so when, when they die, you're like... Ah. I don't know if I want to have another dog because it hurts so much when they left. Because we know the dogs live, what, 10 to 20 years, right? And so we know the likelihood of us outliving them is is very, very strong. And so why would we sign up for that? We knowing that we're going to have to say goodbye, that it's going to hurt. Yet for us, every time, we've eventually ended up with another dog. Why? Here's why. Because the love we gain is worth the pain. The love we gain is worth the pain. Knowing that in this life, ultimately, every relationship ends with a goodbye. We still love, we still connect. Every, every hello all, always has a goodbye on the backside of it. That is the nature of the human experience. But the love is worth the pain. And that is really the crux of what this passage is saying to us. To intercede is to risk in this way. It is to place a target on our own back. Not only are we fighting for ourselves, now we are fighting for others. We're loving others. And as the book of Ephesians tells us, we don't fight this battle with flesh and blood. Some of you might be really good at fighting in flesh and blood. I know some of you are super tough. But scripture tells us to get good at fighting in the spirit, fighting in prayer, fighting the real enemy who wants us far from God. See, when we fight against people, we fight for the enemy. But when we fight against the enemy, we fight for people. So will we fight for people? Intercession is the process where we choose to be in the right Fight, the good fight, the fight that matters. Intercession is about caring for others even more than they may be caring for themselves. It's about coming alongside the weak, fighting for those who can't fight anymore. So, where the wall is broken down, we make up the difference. We become part of the wall. We give of ourselves because intercession asks us to care when others don't. It's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Intercession asks us to believe when others won't. Asks us to believe when others won't. Second part of the passage there. So I wouldn't have to destroy it is what God says. The question from God here is this. Will you believe That things can be different. God's saying, I don't don't want to tear this down. But if no one has faith for a new beginning, if everyone is simply happy to exist in the corruption and the greed and the squalor, if the entire community agrees that this is as good as it's going to get, and even worse, they lean into the pain and the greed and the corruption and the abuse. God's saying, I have no choice but to reset the game. God says, I don't want to, but I will because I love you too much not to do it. So God is saying, give me a reason to take a new course. And that reason throughout scripture is found in a person who stands in the gap. Moses, Joshua, Jeremiah, David, ultimately leading to Jesus, who is the ultimate example of standing in the gap, who said, I am the gate That only the sheep that know me get into the sheep pen. The picture of that was was a sheep pen in those days was like a corral in a field that was made out of rocks. And these these rocks were the fence, basically, uh, of it. And it had one opening, one gap in the rocks. And the, the shepherd would take the sheep and when he was ready to bring them in at night, he'd bring them through that gap. And those rocks would corral all the sheep in there, and then the shepherd would lie across that opening. He became the gate. That's what Jesus does with us. The shepherd becomes the gate, standing between the sheep and any wolf or any thief that would attempt to come in. That is the ultimate picture of intercession. This is the heart of intercession, that I will intentionally place myself in the gap because of my love for others. And that's the heart that Jesus wants to see in each of us. Even as we approach Easter and we are praying intentionally, specifically for those who are yet to be found by Jesus, that maybe they would come to the service or we would have a conversation, that God would do the miraculous. We do so because we're willing to believe believe that there's hope. Willing to hope when others won't. Willing to believe when others are saying, no, Well, let's give up. And God is saying, is there someone who would take that one step forward? Because that one step of belief, it opens up an entirely different course. A couple of months ago for just sort of a strange coming together of events, I ended up in in one of those escape rooms twice in a week. (laughs) Just uh, randomly ended up at at things that made that happen. And those escape rooms have puzzles and clues and things like that. And I'm horrible at it, I'm horrible at escape rooms, I'm horrible at puzzles. In fact, on on the second one that I did, I was of zero help to my my team. I didn't contribute at all. In fact, I was like like a weight to them. I actually almost took us down because my only job was ending up, I was supposed to put these cylinders into these tubes, and they were supposed to be in in a sequence, but I kept getting excited and being like, can I go now? And I dropped the cylinder in the tube. They're like, it's too early. You can't do it yet. And I almost messed us all up. So I was actually a negative influence on the outcome of the escape room. However, several times I got to watch this happen. The team would figure out a clue, not me, but the team would, which led to a set of actions that set, and that set of actions then unlocked a completely new room, opening up all of these new possibilities. This is what happens in our belief. When we trust Jesus like that, in our faith, which is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for, when we believe in faith, God can then act on our behalf. It opens up new options. Without belief, there's nothing for God to act upon, but because of that belief, God can act and another door can open. That's what intercession is asking us to do. To actually believe God for maybe that physical healing. To believe God for that that child's restoration of relationship. To believe God for that friend who's wrapped up in addiction. To believe God for, for that spouse who is struggling with depression. Watching God heal them. To believe God for that marriage to be renewed and restored. Our belief lays the groundwork for the road of God's action. Matthew 21, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And if there's something that Jesus continually got after the disciples about, it was their lack of belief. So the heart of the intercessor is a heart that believes that God can still move. God can still work, that God can still change things. Yes, even today, even in your world, regardless of how hopeless things look today, God can change our city. God can transform broken systems and heal broken places. That in intercession, we believe in what God can still do. And that God can still do what all of our human effort has failed to do. If there is something to learn in and to grow in as Christ followers that will make the most difference, it is this. Learning how to intercede in prayer. But see, some of us have stopped believing. Some of us have stopped believing that things can be different. And we've stopped believing God. It's time to believe again. It's time to believe again and to engage God with that belief because intercession asks us to believe when others won't. Here's the last thing. Intercession asks us to engage when others can't. To engage when others can't. Last part of this passage, God says, but I couldn't find anyone. Now, at first glance, that is a very sad statement. God was looking for someone who would care enough for others that they would intercede on another's behalf, that they would cry out for their family, for their city, for their state, for their world. And in this passage, it says God couldn't find anyone. Now, that's sad, right? And, and in, in all the troubles that were around them, no one, it seems, was engaging God in this way. But then I have to look at my life and ask those hard questions. I may cry over the troubles of my family, my city, and my world, but the question is will those troubles make me cry out to God? Will I cry out to God? I may cry, I may moan about it, but will I cry out to God? Sure, I can get angry and frustrated about the stuff that's around me. I can, can, you know, come away from that conversation or read that headline or experience that failure, and I can get mad about all that stuff. Many may cry, but God is looking for those who will cry out. And this passage says, God looked for that one person, and no one could be found. But here's the good news. Here's the hope of this passage, we can decide today that God will find us. We can decide today that God will find us, that when God looks at this family of people at Cove Church in Eugene, Oregon, that God would find intercessors, that we would be those who stand in the the gap, that we would set ourselves between the vulnerable and the forces that are poised to harm them. That we would pray in such a way that the lame begin to walk, the blind begin to see, and the dead rise. That our prayers would carry those who cannot yet carry themselves. This is God's calling to us. I have a favorite scene in the Lord of the Rings, let me nerd out on you for just a moment. The first uh, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, the one with Fro- it's Frodo and uh, and his buddy Samwise, and they're at the end of it. They're climbing Mount Mordor to 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 throw you know destroy the Ring of Power, and they've been through this huge, epic, long journey, and they're finally climbing this horrible volcanic mountain. And Frodo, the, the weight of the ring of power, is, has, has so worn him out that he can't take another step. He just can't move forward. But he's the only one who can carry the ring. And so there's this great moment where his buddy Sam, uh, who's, who's big for a hobbit, says, says, I can't carry what you carry, but I can carry you. And he picks him up, and he carries him to the place he needs to go. Cove Church, could we as a family, be found standing in the gap for those who can't stand. Protecting those who can't protect themselves and believing for those who can't believe right now. This is what it looks like to live out the mission of Jesus. Not just looking inward, and Jesus cares about the inward, but we don't just look inward, we actually engage the outward. Because intercession asks us to engage when others can't. I'll wrap up with this. Uh, I was recently on a beach on our trip that we were on, and... and, um, The waves at this particular beach on this day, they're really good sized, you know, at least for me. I'm not a surfer or anything, but they're probably, I guess, three to four foot waves, you know, which is bigger than I've usually been around. And I love to play in the waves. You know, I I, I love to attempt to body surf and, and things like that. And several times I was able to catch these bigger waves and ride them, and it was just so fun. But there were also times when I was out of position when the wave came. And instead of riding it, the wave crashed over me, and I would end up kind of going through the washing machine, you know, as they say. And and you end up with salt water up your nose, and you've got sand in places. You didn't even know you had places, you know. It it gets pretty crazy at that point. And, and, uh, And I think about that process, that sometimes I could ride the wave, and sometimes the wave would hit me. And, and just be, just get me all out of sorts. And I think of that regarding the problems of this world and our own lives. They can feel like waves, right? Just sort of beating us down over and over, making us feel like we're getting crushed and, and confused and, and beat up. But what if we could meet those waves head on as intercessors, knowing that there is a battle waging, but we serve the God who fights our battles, could we care? Could we believe? Could we engage? If we added nothing else to our lives but to choose to intercede, to intentionally spend time fighting for others in prayer, the eternal fruit of that simple change in my life is immeasurable. And so maybe then, instead of being beaten up by wave after waves of our life and our world, maybe then God would let us ride some. (laughs) God is looking for those who would stand in the gap and intercede. So here's the question. Will God find you? Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at covechurchpnw. We'll see you next time.